0: Backlog Dialogues, the podcast that digs you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Beat and Joshua. To my neku, it annoys me that I don't know enough about those characters to no, know if you're making fun of me.
1: I'm Matt. Yo. <laughs> Oof.
0: Well, I guess that does make Jared Joshua here.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty
2: sure you described me as an asshole, so thanks so much.
0: Let's just or at say least that don't trust him. Anytime you can find yourself being compared to a Demiurge, you should probably wonder what your path in life has taken you to.
1: <laughs> well, Joshua is probably the nicest Demiurge you'll ever meet. What about Sophia in uh,
0: in, in Strikers? Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. Is she actually a Demiurge? I
2: Do you care about Sporgs? I kind of looked at the plot.
0: Uh, go for it. I, it's been a very long time and I haven't yeah. gotten back. Well, to I'll say back. simply, she's the, she was
2: the first draft Demiurge that was created. And then she accidentally creeped out her creator. I'm not going to explain how. And then the, the final boss is the new Soulless version created. So.
0: But they're also independent from the Yaldabaoth that the Phantom Thieves had to fight before.
2: Completely. They are completely new creations.
0: Okay. So just in general, the Phantom Thieves have to keep fighting Demiurges. Got it.
1: I warned you about Demiurges, man.
0: Forget about it. It's demiurges, man. Yeah. G- uh, Joshua
1: is a mostly benevolent
0: demiurge. Mostly. He's still a set of a kind of fucked up system yes. that we will not need to talk about this time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's time to start a new game. It's the dream diving, time hopping extravaganza. Dream. Drop. Distance. I love this game. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Woo. So, <laughs> so this was originally a 3DS title that made copious use of 3D, and I'm sure it's called Dream Drop Distance specifically to be 3D. Uh-huh, oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely, no question. That is why it is called that,
2: and it has all the subtlety of Muppet Vision from uh, from from Disney World. So,
0: oh yeah, oh yeah. And and now it's in HD without 3D. So some things are a little bit awkward in it. We've
2: gone from 3Ds to
0: 1D. Hmm. We will talk a bit about all the little awkward things that crop up because of the transition from 3D to not 3D. Well, I should say stereoscopic 3D is what I should be saying. Yeah. Because like, yeah, we're still doing 3D graphics, but it's being projected onto a 2D screen like most graphics are, rather than having two different images that are kind of aligned in a weird way that tricks your brain into thinking that it's 3D. That's how the 3DS worked.
1: The 3D never really worked for me that well until I started using the the new 3DS. And by that time, uh, I wasn't really using the 3DS that much. So
0: I love the 3DS. It is the only 3D device that ever actually worked for me. I do not like 3D glasses and I do not like 3D movies, but the 3DS worked.
2: See how bad my eyes are. Most 3D works me pretty well, even magic eyes. Hmm. Weird. Mostly I think it's because I have slight cross-eyed issues. I'm very good at unfocusing my eyes to uh, to take in the... Ah,
0: okay, that makes sense. Yeah, let's talk a bit about all the systems that are in place in Dream Drop Distance before we dive right in. Heh <laughs> Dive.
1: <laughs> Same basic style as Birth by Sleep, for the most part, with a few changes.
0: Yeah, the whole idea of what they're trying to do on all, all the portable games was, we really want to make this command deck system work somehow.
2: We really want you to be able to equip a set of commands It's because I... I don't know why they don't like Kingdom Hearts 2's like um like they're like equipable points and all that. But they really seem to want to do something different.
0: I think what they're really trying to do is make it feel like it's a lot more free for what kind of actions you can set up. So that you're not like limited to a very small amount of spells and uh, attacks. But unfortunately, like I feel like it's fine, but it doesn't flow as well as just a pure 3D action game in the way that Kingdom Hearts 2 did.
2: Like um, I'm not being I'm not being like, you know, uh, Recom strangled by having to select through cards here, but I'm still fighting a menu for using relatively limited actions that constantly are on weird cooldowns rather than having any sort of MP um, management or
0: work with. We don't have command styles anymore. And I kind of miss them. Yeah, there's another system that kind of replaces command styles and also D-Links aren't any- here anymore. Uh, replacing dealings we have spirits only talk about them a tiny bit as they come up in the narrative but i have a plan for how i want to talk about these fucking pokemon riff-offs that i am saving for the completion episode so i will not name them as they came up apart from a few
1: i personally did not like the monster collecting element i i actually get turned off of mainline pokemon specifically because of the monster collecting and having to re-level up the things that you're using and all that kind of stuff so that that's my least favorite part of the game. I was actually bothered much more by that than the command deck.
2: Me, I'm actually a mon enthusiast. I play all sorts of stuff. I'm a Jay Cocoon fan. I've was I'd been playing Monster Rancher on and off over the last, few year, last year like a sort of a, a drawback. But I tried to get enthusiasm in this one, but it felt like it was fighting me. The crafting, the bonding, the mini is this was just everywhere wrong notes, it kind of felt
0: like. And I yeah. lost my enthusiasm, gave up on trying to collect monsters after a bit. Good idea, because collecting all the monsters to this game requires you to go for completion and going for the completion of this game is, well, we'll save it for the last episode. I love this game. Don't play it for completion. That's At all I'm going to say. it's not as bad as Birth by Sleep. No, no, you cannot say that. The only reason it's better than Birth by Sleep is you don't have to do it three times. But you told me you have to do specific parts 100 times instead. Yeah, we will get into that with a completion episode. The next system that it has is the drop system that has you switch between Sora and Riku throughout the game. It's a weird semi time
1: limit sort of thing that yeah. causes you to progress both of their stories at roughly the same rate. Yeah, yeah. It's just I really have a hard time thinking about this one. The, what it
2: reminds me most of is what how people always talked about. The last Breath of Fire game, though I never actually played Dragon Quarter. It just seems like the entire game, there's this omnipresent meter that's threatening you. But in this one, it's more like, well, now you have to reorient yourself back to the character. And we don't care what kind of flow you are with your gameplay. Start over now.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it kind of calls back to the same uh, format as Chain of Memories, how we had two different stories for Sora and Riku. But um, this time we are doing their stories in parallel because their stories intersect and matter to each other. Sort of. Sort of points. Yeah. For the sake of the discussion, we'll do each episode in two halves, the first half being Sora, the second half being Riku. There will be occasions where we'll have to, like, say, and we're forced to drop to this character at this point. But it's for the, for the most part, it makes the most sense just to do it this way.
1: And then the last thing that it adds is flow motion, which is the best thing they've done in a portable Kingdom Hearts game in a long time.
0: Possibly I would say ever. period. I would say period. Yeah. It is the it is the best thing ever in Kingdom Hearts uh, that is not in a main game, mainline game. They're all mainline games that is not in a main console title. I, I remember Jared described it as shiny parkour. And I'm like, that was a perfect description of it. I will not call it anything else.
2: But I do. I do have a certain weird skill for nicknaming,
1: don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you basically become like a super ball of death and bounce around the environments, and it's great. By the way, I think I actually said sparkle
0: parkour, but both are good. Yes. I, yeah, I actually feel like it makes the game feel the more the way I want Kingdom Hearts to feel move movement that even Kingdom Hearts Two did, and honestly, it has better platforming than Kingdom Hearts Two. Like, um it is so much fun to just bounce around all the areas that they've designed and just like making full use of this crazy movement scheme. If you like dash into a wall, if you hit certain things like grind
2: rails, suddenly you just get covered in the in the aura of super speed, and you just start can just dash, air dash, bounce around, ping pong off walls, run into a wall repeatedly to scale it. Whatever makes sense to you. Yeah, you yeah. can
1: run. You can run up a wall. You can run along the side of a wall, like Prince of Persia, but you can do it in, uh, as much as you want. You can essentially you can latch on to any kind of pole shaped object and move around and do a dash or do a really big circular attack. That's great. You can grind. There's yeah, you you can Tony Hawk grind for every rail in sight.
0: Oh, yeah. Like it's it basically turns maneuvering around a environment into how fast can I get from point A to point B with as cool of a moves as I can?
2: Or alternatively, how stubborn am I getting over this wall that clearly has another path, but I can keep jumping in the air?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wall jumps in Dream Drop Distance are one of my preferred methods of getting around because it allows you to break shit completely. Like, there's a point in the game where it gives me glide, and I'm like, I don't need this. Why did you give this to me?
2: <laughs> the only thing it offers is certain controllability and, and maybe tight corridors because yeah. flow motion can cause you to ping pong in weird directions if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But like, all the stuff that glide was meant to make it so that I could get to, I'm like, I already got that because I flow motion my way in there.
2: <laughs> it, it does make the stages, this is the first real upgrade to stages becoming larger and more expansive, I think, Oh yeah. I've seen in many games.
1: I think basically they it allows them to take a page out of Tony Hawk level design and make make arenas into playgrounds rather than just flat,
0: flat places oh, yeah. that have monsters in them. And that's why I'm like, this is the first Kingdom Hearts game that I think has extremely good level design. Kingdom Hearts 1 had all those chaos mazes that I didn't like. Chain of Memories was Chain of Memories. Random Dungeon Crawler. Ick. Yeah, two kind of
2: removed the platforming, which was which was, you know, not like Kingdom Heart 1's platforming is good, but you do kind of feel it that it's a little bit emptier. Uh, apart from the Cavern of Remembrance, which ugh. <laughs> Which is just an abusive thing they added to the uh, remake, of course. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I read my memories of the, I remember I said back then my memories of the stages were even more cramped than what the actually are. But you still kind of feel how flat they are.
0: Yeah. Uh, and of course, with Birth by Sleep, every single area is just a tiny, empty box world that has nothing going on.
2: Except for like if you're unless your mouse size messing around and some weird um, yeah. environmental elements. Yeah. Um,
0: but like every single environment in Dream Drop Distance feels like it's designed to play around in and it makes good use of flow motion. And so I'm excited to talk about that.
1: As I said, they they just took a page out of Tony Hawk level design and added things that you can that are just little set pieces that, hey, you can do a cool flow motion trick here. Yeah. And that's that's and see this may be one of the, from what I understand, though, th-
2: though, I'm continuously at this point in our reviews, I'm at the latest game I've ever played continuously. My understanding is this is one of the most successful elements of the experimental stages.
0: I would say so. I don't know what the general consensus is, but like for me, I'm like, yeah, just put this in Kingdom Hearts three, maybe tune it a little bit so that it's not completely broken, and you've got a perfect maneuverability system. Which, hey, that's what they did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Basically, flow motion was kind of broken this game. Yeah, so, so it's a little well. They're they're definitely trying things out. Some I think like
2: I don't know how three looks, but I would say some problems here is a you can kind of just vertically scale anything and skip stuff. B it kind of makes the architectural elements a bit harder to tell. So I often got lost where I was supposed to go. That's and I, I would say. Also, see that I feel like they're kind of a
1: bit open space and too large in places. I'm, I'm wondering if that's so what they mentioned. The only up. other contender for best thing that they've t- done from the experimental uh, portable games, uh, it would be the command styles.
0: Yeah, they cha- they take the command styles and they turn them into uh, Keyblade form changes in Kingdom Hearts three. And it works extremely well. It's really good. Mm-hmm.
1: But those are those are basically the two candidates for best and most popular thing that they
0: shot locks. They also brought shot locks into shot
1: locks, too. Yeah,
2: but honestly, shot locks, probably, probably um, nominee for things you forgot to use the
1: most. Uh, I think form changes are still cooler than shot locks, though, but shot locks are pretty cool.
0: In general, they brought the right things up and they left behind the thing that Nomura wanted to bring back the most, the command deck. (laughs) Let's talk about difficulty settings before we go into the game proper. So because I've already completed the game once before, I have unlocked critical mode and you Mm. better fucking believe that I played on critical mode. It was a terrible fucking idea, but I did it because I'm crazy. So before I know you all do not touch critical mode and I commend you for that critical mode in this game sucks. It is a bad hard mode to the utter extreme with lower damage output from Sora and higher damage output from enemies. And is especially bad against bosses in arenas designed for Kingdom Hearts one bosses which I'll get to later on in the season.
1: Yeah, the the problem with critical mode in the portable games is that it doesn't seem quite as tuned as the well, console ones.
0: Well, here's the thing. The console ones are designed from the idea of turning you into a glass cannon, whereas the portable games and also uh, Fragmentary Passage design critical mode as, oh, what if we do a super hard mode that would uh, just like tune it that way?
1: And I have a feeling that it might not even be tuned, kind of like the trails and east, hard, yeah. modes, hard modes where it's just okay. Let's just uh, put up, uh, amplify the stats on everything by quite a bit and see which crazy people can actually do the thing anyway.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And I'm one of them crazy people.
1: Nope, uh, normal mode it is. Thanks so much. I do
2: enjoy. It. I enjoy finishing things. It's very specific types of game where the active challenge is what I care about. Yeah, I and and I, I don't totally want a game to be that. too. I don't want a game to be too easy, of course. But there's to me, I don't need to uh, hammer my head against something. That's not where my where my interest and in success is. Yep.
0: I mean, so
1: I, I did regular, too. So, yeah,
0: it, there's a no reason not to do uh, normal mode in Dream Drop Distance. You've just got to, like, deal with the fact that. They did not do a good job designing even Proud Mode. I think I did Proud Mode my first time I played, and I thought this is miserable. And then I did Critical Mode this time, and I thought this is even more miserable. Some of
1: the bosses on Proud Mode are pretty miserable. I did it once.
0: I'll talk about all the bosses that they do not design well for these hard modes. We'll get to them.
1: (laughs) Anyway, let's go on to the opening movie.
0: Yes. So the opening movie this time is not. Uh, either simple and clean or sanctuary or what have you. It is an orchestrated version of Hikari over a CGI recap of the series in chronological order along with Birth by Sleep.
2: And like we're in the uh, Philhar Magic from Disney World and we he makes his jokes, we got this Mickey in his Source Apprentice gear uh, conducting an orchestra.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have in my notes, man, this sure feels like an OP for what would be Kingdom Hearts 3, but no, it's Dream Drop Distance. You thought, you thought it would be Kingdom Hearts 3, but it was me, Dream Drop Distance. I thought I was the one who did the JoJo references.
2: You which is weird because, you know, I'm way more steeped in Jojo knowledge than you. Yeah, but like I'm the one that just enjoys weird shit, posty humor. (laughs) I enjoy many types of humor. It's hard to explain. That's why I'm always making stupid references. That's why me and my me and my brother can watch literally a uh, video playlist of dad jokes with two guys make each other laugh almost anything. And yes, I, I have I have stored a few in my head to harass you with later.
1: It's mostly a a recap of iconic scenes. You know, you've got the door to the the door to the light opening in Kingdom Hearts one. You've got the the double sided spiral staircase, I believe, from. uh,
0: Yeah. Memories, that sort of thing. It doesn't do anything particularly new or noteworthy. And so we didn't put it in our notes, but like it's a fine opening. It's not one that I'll go to and be like, yeah, I'll watch that over and over again, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. At least it's a different song, kind of.
2: Basically, what you get is you get new imagery. Like it, you kind of do pop up book. They put the characters in the pop up books of the recaps, mm-hmm. and they do new scenes. that they reanimate things like um, both the disappearance of Dusty Islands, meeting Nominee, and 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 um, and seeing Kyrie as well on that and that glass staircase from Cage Two's opening. Basically, I actually it's kind of surprised we didn't talk about more deeply because it really goes into some deep new imagery, and it's very fascinating mm. to me. Then like we see like. Roxas, we see She'an's vanishing, we
0: see. <laughs> it goes through basically everything that we need to care about.
2: Yeah. And then <laughs> when- a surprising amount of time used kicking some this ass, but that's great.
1: Yeah. And then we finally get to the point where Coded ended.
2: We're starting where Coded ended, but this is a brand new scene. Like we've, we've suddenly yeah. we switched from him talking. Like last time we saw a break, he was talking to a mysterious young figure. Now we're getting a POV shot. It seems like shit's gone down.
0: Hey, is this how you wanted it?
2: Xehanort, you want to fill me in? From the POV, we see an arm raised and summoning a black and white keyblade. I am. Hey, do you remember now? Or wait, did you never lose your memory? Effectively, leaning forward, the blade is plunged in the brake's chest. That's not my name. I'm not Xehanort.
0: Ah! <laughs>
2: As Bragg's heart accesses his chest, my name
0: is Ansem. And then we cut immediately to Destiny Islands, because why not? I mean, if you're going to cold open with a completely contextless scene of Bragg trying to figure shit out and then being de-hearted again, why not switch to Destiny Islands?
2: I don't think this is again. I think this is literally what we saw. The, this is the original. Because he's questioning this figure whose memory. This is this is Terranort regaining at least a portion of his memories and beginning his plan, which which creates some sure? and or the organization. I feel pretty strong about it.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel that's that way because we because immediately we cut to Sora and Riku in Kingdom Hearts One designs. Hmm. So I feel like this is meant to kind of tell the story of in some way tell the story of how the organization 13 was set up from Ansem the wise's apprentices.
0: So going by that, then you would be saying that this is not actually where coded ended. This is actually just a jump back in uh, yeah. perspective overall, even though it looks exactly like the scene that we had at the end of coded.
2: Because this isn't the voice. This isn't the young voice, the young uh, version of the kid at the end of coded. This is deep voices said and everything's just here. That may be the wise assumption that all the apprentices betrayed him. Well, kind of looks like Evan and Yenzo were both were both attacked here. Yeah. As we see them fading out as the scene opens.
0: <laughs> True. And like, um, I guess that is probably a, a good way to interpret it. Like, Prague uh, seems to be a bit less. Uh, well, Bragg seems to be in on a plan here and then isn't quite sure if this is exactly how it was supposed to go. And then Xehanort
2: and- screws him over. Yep. Or at least attacks him. I or, said for yes. all, every for all the ways Zigbar acted, he seemed to always have an idea what was going on. So it's hard to say.
0: <laughs> and then, and some secret of darkness fucks off, and Zemnis shows up at some point. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so, so anyway, Destiny Islands. Yeah. Yay! Destiny we Island. have Sora,
0: Riku, like they were in the first game appearing. Yep, and they're talking about how far a raft could take them. And then we do a gilligan cut. And they're out of the water uh, with the raft in the storm. A storm that's ripping so the, the raft no less. The answer is this far, about as far as it takes for a Giant Ursula to show up to give us a tutorial fight. Wait, what?
2: <laughs> Other oh, is that we got like they're Sora's on the piece of raft, Riku's stuck on the mass. It's been torn apart, so they're pretty much in trouble even before the giant sea witch.
0: Yeah, and, but so we get from their dialogue that this is the test of mastery. It's um, begun. Yeah. Um, We'll probably get to learn more about that later on. For whatever reason, this Kingdom Hearts has decided to be very in medias Res. But we get a combat tutorial and it just is very much a, hey, this is how combat works in Dark Distance. It's a lot by, like Birth by Sleep. If this is your first Kingdom Hearts game, good luck. So you get a after the bit of the tutorial, uh, Sora and Riku team up together to fight Ursula for real. Um, and so like I have in my notes, I die pretty quickly because this is critical mode and I'm a clown. Like,
2: as I recall, she's just shouting all her own dia- all her old dialogue. Yeah. In the Kingdom Hearts one's fight and the the battle's not even all that different, though a little bit less intense is worth the start of the game.
0: And you're not swimming. That's a good part. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, always good.
1: So um, after the fight, Ursula fades away. Sora and Riku fall into the ocean and bubbles ri- uh, rise around them as if they're drowning.
0: Yep. Yeah, I have in my notes, it's noteworthy how little dialogue there has been thus far to establish what is happening. Like, mm-hmm. um, I I'm very surprised that a Kingdom Hearts game starts like this, considering how every other Kingdom Hearts game starts. What did you think, think Jared?
2: I was very I remember being extremely confused. Now, I kind of started this one on a whim between between work shift there. So I was still trying to uh, get. I, I tend to have a sort of a lock in time while I get into the uh, to the pace of a game that often happens to be at the start of something like I spend the start of the game trying to absorb random details, pull up the menu as soon as I can, figure shit out. So this
0: one just kind of throws you in a fight. Well, it doesn't make me mad. It just seem very different. It is the most confusingly paced Kingdom Hearts game by a significant margin. And I think part of that is intentional. Yeah, When I first
1: saw this, I thought it was like a flashback or something like that. But it's not.
0: Nope, it is a Maybe.
2: They tried the raft so many times and each time a giant Disney villain kills them. Last, yeah. last time. Last time it was hook.
0: And, the, so, and then they just wake up the next day on the island with no memory of what happened because they're in a time loop. Wait,
2: <laughs> this is the weirdest version of Groundhog Day yet. That's saw the version in Stargate, which was just for comedy.
1: If you were to make like a Kingdom Hearts, uh, you know, roguelite, that would probably be the plot more or less.
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just find myself going to Hades on that because I feel like I'd have a tone like that, only maybe a little less horny because Disney.
0: <laughs> I don't know. A lot of Disney stuff is pretty horny.
2: Yeah, but not on front of it. Just sort of just sort of internalized. Like, it yeah. And like, bubbling to the surface.
0: Yeah. Very, very like. Very classically hidden horniness. <laughs> like lions getting
1: bedroom eyes. Yep. <laughs> So after all of that, Sora and Riku call their keyblades under the water to unlock a keyhole that appears. The two turn into light. Cut to Ansem. The old brown cloak, which had, which had chains wrapped
2: around it, just how we saw him only that first time at the of cage one.
0: Wait, that yes. brown cloak guy matters now. Oh, you better fucking believe it more than he did back in Kingdom Hearts one. But we're not going to learn about that right now.
2: Where it was clear he was just some weird version of Ansem to start with or, you know, Ansem secret of Darkness. But
0: yeah. So anyways, flashback. Yeah. So this is an odd system that Dream Drop Distance uses to give us exposition at an appropriate time, even though it kind of hurts the pace a bit. We get this candy colored dream design thing like
2: has little stars and moons on it. which it should be in a Kirby game saying, do you wish to see this flashback scene or just not bother with the story?
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, let's do the flashback real quick. It's called the Mark of Mastery Exam in which yen explains Xehanort's obsession with, with the Essence of Heart and the Keyblade War. And it's more or less a bunch of recap.
1: From kid Birth by Sleep,
2: mostly. Let's let's listen in. Only a true master can teach you the proper way. Both of you are self-taught Keyblade wielders. An impressive feat. However, if the time has come for you to let go of preconceived motions, forget what you know about the Keyblade, and begin your training again with a clean slate.
0: Huh? Oh. But that's a formality, right? I already proved myself. Me, the king, and Riku, we can take on anything. Right, Riku?
2: I don't know. I think that in my heart, darkness still has a hold. Walking that path changed me. I'm not sure if I'm ready to wield the Keyblade. Maybe I do need to be tested.
0: Riku! Then count me in. Put me through the test. Just watch. Me and Riku will pass with flying colors.
2: Very well, then. Sora and Riku... Let your examination begin.
1: So Riku still has that kind of uh, edgy, devilly looking keyblade, right? The, the one that looks like Soul Eater. He's using Path the dawn. Yes. Is it weighted the dawn? Is that what it's called? But still kind of edgy, devilly yes. looking, right?
2: Well, it's because it's his own blade. It kind of puts it puts a one wing. It was a one winged angel at the end of it, because why not?
0: But I mean, that's just his keyblade now. That's how it yep. be. Um, so, yeah, so at least the, this Mark of Mastery exam isn't finding some weird glowing balls of light. So
1: now that the Birth by Sleep introduced us to the Keyblade wielders as an organization and the Mark of Mastery, we use it for a new plot. It looks it kind of looks like there's no real set test for the Mark of Mastery. It's just whatever the master feels is appropriate for these pupils at this particular time. Yeah, that seems e- about right. Ericus was hungover. He didn't want to think of anything.
0: Well, I mean, Ericus's is probably has been training the students for a lot longer. So he probably just wanted to the simple combat test. Yen Sid basically knows Riku for all of five minutes and Sora for only a little bit longer. So he's probably like, no, I need to send you on a full ass adventure, even though I know you both have gone on adventures before. I need to send you on this one. Plus, there's a new power you need to learn that we'll talk about later. And because the game isn't done throwing stuff at us with a little explanation, it's time for the first dive mode. Dive mode was intended for 3D. Dream Drop Distance HD is not in 3D. However, it replaced gummy ship, so I guess I can forgive it. It's better than gummy ship, I'll say that much. At least in terms of how gummy ship has been handled up till now. Isn't it essentially basically just like a little
1: uh freefall type thing yeah. where you're just yeah. controlling and trying to pick up you're following through
2: Doctor Who time tunnels with your character basically right in front of you going forward. So that's the clear 3D. So stuff's approaching you at all times. Like, yeah, it's, it's all very symbolic. I'm going to go for another reference. Basically, makes you think how Psychonauts uses chunks of, like, a world for something. So like, okay. it's throwing bits of the world you're going to at you. Like, we're going to Traverse Town first. So we see, like, these signs, the buildings. Mm-hmm. And it kind of themes the uh, obstacles And you either collect orbs, fight monsters or fight a boss. Generally,
0: you can shoot for high scores. If you're not going for completion, don't worry about it. If you are going for completion, it matters. And it's probably one of the less annoying things about completion, if I could be quite honest. I couldn't be bothered. Good. Anyway, now we're Sora in Traverse Town and he no longer has his Kingdom Hearts one look. Like, let's talk about his new outfit, actually.
2: He's kind. It's kind of almost seems like they fused his one and two outfits a little. Like he's got some of his his Kingdom Hearts one outfit is like I would say the general model is like the big poofy shoulders, the overshirt, and that. But he's clearly wearing over a black shirt with a white accent. I think he has more Kingdom Hearts two colorations in it.
0: Yeah. Well, it it's I would say this is his most red outfit for that we've seen. Like red is the except for when color. he eats Goofy. Except for when he eats Goofy. Yes, but. <laughs>
1: Sora just kind of speculates that it might have been Yen Sid's magic.
0: That seems like a good explanation. That's what happened with his last clothes change. So why not?
1: Well, it was actually the fairy godmother's magic.
2: Well, no, the three fairies. Yes, they are different. Same difference for this kid. <laughs> yeah, well, Sora never really decide, decides he never really needs to worry too much about things. So he just kind of is like, sure, why not? Well, I can just yep. sit here and be worried.
1: But eh. this... So- so I will say that this game is might be, I guess, minor spoilers. That this game might be the only time Sora actually gets in trouble for being happy go lucky and uh, and not worrying about things and
0: just letting letting them happen. Let's just mm. put a pin in that. Then we see a kid running along the rooftops of Traverse Town as the title card appears with music that is most notably not Traverse Town's music. It has record scratches and stuff. It has record scratches. It has this. It, we've gone funky. It has a funky, like, almost operatic uh, wailing voice. Let, let's just cut to the chase here. It's The World Ends With You music.
2: Sora's calling out for Riku, but he gets a completely different uh, angsty kid from a Square Enix game who thinks he's too cool for others.
0: Yep. The kid grabs Sora's hand and just says, you're not a player.
2: Sora's like, no, I really only care about Riku or Kyrie or maybe both. I, don't.
0: <laughs> I have two hands. That's all I need. He's got
2: he needs time to work out that that's his best option. She's working it out.
1: Yeah. So in, in explanation, the other kid holds out his hand and shows a timer on it with a demonic scrawly font.
0: Yeah.
2: And the, the very and he, familiar looking, if you know what you're looking at.
0: Yep. And he says, you know, in the game. And Sora just goes, I don't know what the game is. And it's like, oh, that means you won then. Yep, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, old memes. Where will we be without you? Probably less insane.
0: I actually was listening to a podcast that went into the whole history of the game. And I'm like, oh, this is really fascinating. I'm very glad I won the game years ago so that I don't feel bad about losing the game every time they talk about it in this episode.
2: <laughs> I'm scatterbrained enough I regularly forget about entirely. So I'm constantly not losing the game at different times. So, you know, it's great. I'm, I'm continuously
1: succeeding at things by accident. So this stranger needs a game partner and Sora doesn't really understand what's going on. So he's like, I'll be your game partner. Yep. Yep. Yeah, too much get, of a good boy to
0: refuse. Yeah, and get some actually good uh, dialogue with it from this kid. Time out. Do you trust every total stranger you meet? And I have in my notes. Yes, Neku. And that's why Sora is the protagonist of Kingdom Hearts.
2: Uh, a stranger is a friend. You have it. But
0: you What's have that from it. Simpsons.
1: Where they do a streetcar named Desire musical. It's, a, it's an <laughs> early episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, Neku and Sora cannot be partners, but Sora decides they can be friends, which
0: is just as good, right?
1: But That Neku annoys Neku. By it. Yep.
0: yep. Yeah, he just needs to leave right away. Yep, he kickflips over the terrain, and that gives us the tutorial for flow motion. Yeah, he just,
2: he sparkles off, and Sora's like, ooh.
0: I want to do that. <laughs> and Therefore, he does. Yep. And so now we can freely explore Traverse Town to chase after Neku, and we get another smart tutorial about reality shifts. Reality shifts were the other clear
2: 3DS element, I'd say.
0: <laughs> yeah, each world has a unique reaction command that was designed for the 3DS touchscreen and awkwardly replicated in the HD version. This one might be the worst. Yeah, this is the easily the worst one. Uh, the reality shift in Traverse Town causes you to slingshot things and other things.
2: You could tell the original mechanic was like you'd use your stylus and you you hit the screen and you pull back, like pull down like you're pulling on a, like, a slingshot or rubber band. Trying to replicate that with the analog stick and not really changing the, the physics of it is a disaster.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work very well at all. I'm not fond of the reality shift in this zone. It might be the only place but where I'm not fond of the reality shift, though.
2: Luckily, you only need to use it a couple times. Yeah. Of course, to use it a couple times. Yeah. I guess the idea is it's that you're messing with the with the dream world's physics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a bit, in, that's, a bit that's, inception that's, control.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best way to think of it is. Yeah, it's inception control. It is. Uh, Dreaming a little bigger, darling. (laughs) If
1: there's one thing I like about Dream Drop Distance, it's how much they play up the dream
0: logic of it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is like a not only is the story paced like a weird dream, the gameplay is uh, handled like a weird dream. It kind of works. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So we catch up to Neku and find him surrounded by a bunch of kind of round buck tooth, kind of derpy looking cats.
0: Yeah, these are dream eaters, the monsters for this Kingdom Hearts game. At least they're better than unversed. How come none of them are tapirs? Uh, (laughs) I forget. There might be a tapir. Because they should be a Baku, right? (laughs) I'll I'm going to go back over everything when I go through my notes and prepare the final episode. And I'm going to make sure I think there might be a tapir. Or something that could be mistaken for one. John from the feature here. No, there is not a tapir.
2: But said here we have what are these, the meowwoofs.
0: Yeah, these are meowwoofs. Uh oh, no, meow, meow. Wows. Yep. meow Wows. Meow wolf is a different thing. We can't make that reference yet.
2: Yes. <laughs> it's just like you, you, you take a you take a little Kirby marshmallow, you give it a muzzle and kind of a vague, vague almost Pikachu ears, like they have the little point with the black tips on it, and a vague raccoon tail. So you can't really tell is it a cat or a dog? It kind of has a Garfield face. Yeah. Um, well, it's got I, those big jowl, that uh, big jowl muzzle with the two round circles. Like so Garfield is a good description of that.
0: Like I was saying, I think they're better than Unverse because at least they're cute rather than yeah. edgy. But like, the eaters
2: aren't the most distinct, but they have a certain level of cuteness and. Even if they don't really do any morphing or anything, they have some weird elements. They ha- are a wide variety of strange creatures. So you do get something out of them. And they have a mixture of candy colored and dark colored that kind of gives
1: them some variety, too. They're usually animal based on animals.
0: Yeah, uh, most of them are based on animals. Uh, some of them are based on fictional animals. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, like they are the Pokemon for this game. Yeah. And that means that not only are you summoning them, you're also fighting them. It was bound to happen at some point, people.
2: <laughs> yes, punch out those Pokemon yourself. We, we're we're going Digimon Savers scene. You need to use your fist and the spirit within it.
1: Yeah, and and for whatever reason, all of the world ends with you characters use Dream Eaters to fight like their Pokemon, but only when they're not around their partners. Question mark?
0: Yeah, uh, Neku summons a, a weird cat that looks different from these fat beaver cats. The weird cat kind of like looks like a really. Thin cat with like uh large cheek whisker thingies and a music note for a tail, I believe. Hmm. Can't remember which one that is. Like, I can't. It's, it's just hard to remember which. Uh, Neku summons that weird cat uh, and attacks the fat beaver cat with it. And then he introduces himself as Neku. So let's touch on Neku the Sakuraba. world. And- yep. Neku Sakuraba. Neku Sakuraba. Let's touch on the world ends with you real quick. It was Tetsuya uh, actually,
2: it's a Nich- it's a Nicho cat, by the way, with the little bells, ne- the bells, the little Neko cat. Ex- Necho Neko. <laughs> Why is it N-E-C-H-O? Because they're making a pun on Echo. Yeah. Oh, OK. It has lots of legs.
0: <laughs> it's got slept near number of legs. Yes, it's a Neko cat. All the dream eaters have names like that. We will That's get into good. it later. Uh, if you say so. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's touch on The World Ends With You real quick, which was Tetsuya okay. Nomura's other game from the aughts, which I know Jared has not played. Matt, you have, correct?
1: I have, but it's been a while. Then we watched, like, what, three episodes of the anime when they, they adapted it recently? Yeah. Uh, I will say that I don't blame anyone for not being able to get into world The World Ends With You, because if you cannot separate the movements of your hands very well and pay attention to two things at once, it becomes a very difficult game.
0: That being said, if you can do that... I honestly think it is Tetsuya Nomura's singular best game, like both as a game and as a story.
1: It's kind of like uh, I want to say it's trying to channel the same kind of cool punk Japanese kids yeah. in Japanese in a Japanese city setting, like uh, Persona is. Yeah, but, but it's it, it's Tetsuya Nomura's take on it.
0: It is well, like it, it is a game that has a mechanic based around fashion. And you can manipulate the trends of fashion so that your pins that are also of the same brand as that fashion can become stronger in combat. It is a systemic delight. Brand, we're
2: close to doing those elements.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a systemic delight. Um, the story is incredible. Um, like Neku is one of my favorite protagonists in any GRPG. He is fantastic. He starts off as a jerk and grows into being not a jerk, but he grows in a way that is extremely compelling. I like him a lot. Hmm.
1: The thing I remember most about The World Ends With You is so Zeta slow.
0: Ah, uh, show me, not me, mostly. Ah, memes, memes, the meme. memes, memes. The man who yells pie to I don't remember how many digits, but it's a lot. <laughs> We're not going to go too d- too deep into depth on The World Ends With You here, apart from what characters show up. If you have not played The World Ends With You, I highly recommend it if you're able to understand the combat system well enough. I feel like the DS is the best version of it, but the one that was on the switch is also very uh, respectable and it doesn't have as much of the confusing elements to it. They just like, so, yeah, I have a I have a dream eater, too. Don't you have any? And then we get a flashback about dream eaters. My Pokémons, let me show
1: them to you. <laughs>
2: is, we The number of flashbacks that are Yen Sid telling the two of them something really just suggests to me that he spent three hours just talking at them while Sora was sleepy and Riku was trying to show how much he was listening because he knew Sora wouldn't hear a thing yep yeah Yansen explains that we need to unlock sleeping keyholes doing this will allow us to gain something he's not very specific and we get this will allow us to save the people that were Mickey's letter and so we must go to the sleeping worlds
0: yep uh, sleeping keyholes are in sleeping worlds they're cut off from the rest of the worlds heartless can't get there but there are dream eaters which are divided into nightmares which are the ones we fight and spirits which eat nightmares he does go on a little
2: bit to explain that somehow the sleeping worlds, Back from Kingdom Hearts 1, where worlds were being destroyed wholesale, some of them didn't come back all the way and they locked down as a sleeping world. And that's why no one gets in or out.
1: Yep. It seems kind of like when you enter a sleeping world, you're entering a dream that the world is happening. So, yeah, I was kind of asking if these are distinct from the worlds that have been claimed by the darkness. Though now that I'm thinking about it, you know, these, you know, there are mythological connections between dreams and death. So, oh, yeah, the siblings, um,
0: yeah. so imagine joke. I, Woo! done. Wow. Um, <laughs> so like the way I sort of interpret it is a sleeping world is a world that is that existed, but doesn't now, but also didn't die. It is a world that sort of like went away for a bit into another world, into another of in existence. The world of dreams. My impression, my impression
2: is it's a world that couldn't come all the way back. Like it didn't have enough energy. So now it's sleeping. It's like someone who's in a coma after surviving, after surviving a near-death experience. It's also
1: possible simply that worlds do not actually permanently die, but will eventually come back.
2: Yen did specifically say they were worlds that never returned completely. They still sleep. So that that's really the only description we
0: get from someone who should know what they're talking about. But at the same time, two of the worlds we go to are worlds that existed in the past That should not exist anymore because they are in the past. (laughs) Just pointing that out right now.
2: That's Rafiki. That doesn't matter
1: because it was in the past. So anyway, yeah. So (sighs) the sleeping, we go into the sleeping worlds. And so this kind of introduces the fact that Sora and Riku are going on an, on a kind of dream adventure. Yep. And Uh, so, so that kind of like makes me think that the first scene that we got is kind of a you know essentially them entering the dream together and yep. so when they think of doing an adventure what do they think of they think of going out on the raft from destiny islands to have a great epic adventure and so that's how and they end up going into the world of dreams I'm, it seems like it takes them a little bit of time for like
2: their awareness to awaken because like at first they're just completely in it and then once things go weird they're like oh wait has the test begun
0: yeah, the game also introduces us to making spirits here, which is a bit like crafting. You have to gather materials from monster drops and mix them together to make new spirits. I'm going to hold off on in introducing these themes because it's fucking annoying. I like doing crafting.
2: It's just this one kind of just you're randomly getting items. You never, I never felt sure I was getting items that was progressing me towards specific crafting goals. So it's a very loose, empty feeling to it.
0: Spirits are how we get new commands and abilities, which means we can't do like we did in Birth by Sleep and cheese our way up the tech tree, which I kind of appreciate, but I also am kind of like, but I, I want Balloon God because Balloon God is the best spell. <laughs> it's just, and I don't feel what they replaced it with ever felt good to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, um,
2: what well, we can talk a bit about it later, the way you get abilities for the most part is through leveling up creatures the right way and just trying to get through their different box, their different, like, uh, uh, fields. Since I always was never quite sure if I was grabbing creatures right, getting enough there, I always felt like I had a very limited choice of abilities.
0: Yeah, um, you need to uh, level up your spirits to get new abilities. Those two kinds of abilities there are ones that are are in effect when you have a spirit in your party, and they're ones that are just permanently added to your skill set. And the f- former are far more uh, copious than the latter. Uh, the former ones are called stat abilities because they usually affect your stats, and the others are support abilities because they're like permanent effects that you have, like combo plus.
2: And the second chance and all those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And getting a lot of the really good ones is fucking hard. This is another reason why critical mode sucks.
2: Uh, So that's for later. We're back to exploring Traverse Town and we have to go catch up with Naku, who said we wanted us to meet him.
0: Yep. Uh, So far, we're just going through districts one and two. Uh, They look pretty much exactly like they did in Kingdom Hearts one, like right down to how the layout is. We can't go into a lot of the side areas. We can't go into the bell tower. We can't go into the hotel. But Otherwise, it is the exact same layout. Put a pin in that. We make it to District 3, catch up to Neku, and Neku is leading us to a cloak guy. He immediately said, I brought you Sora like you asked. Like, oh, great. Good job, Sora. Yep. And then cloak guy jumps down to try and get to Sora. Neku tries to stop him. And then Sora goes to sleep. Just gets very sleepy. It's kind of implied that
1: Neku thought oh, he just wanted to meet him, you know, like harming Sora wasn't part of the deal.
0: Yeah.
2: This guy's dressed in all black cloaks. You can't see their faces. You always should trust them.
0: Yes, obviously. Anyway, there, uh, is there in words, right? Yep. Sora makes like the skull from what is it? The the, the the what is this? What is that intentionally bad movie? The Skull of Kedavra? The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. It has a sequel. It makes like the skeleton in the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera and says, I sleep now. <laughs> I'm glad so I'm I was able to get you in something, Jared, for a change.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tend to be the reference sound here. Yep. So now we end up doing a dive with Riku, and Riku wakes up in District 3 of Traverse Town, but it doesn't seem like any of Sora or Neku or anyone else is here.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's also just worth noting Riku's clothes have also changed. He's kind of been de-aged in appearance, and his on the back of his shirt is this weird squiggly symbol.
2: Otherwise, he's mostly in his cage one outfit, like his normal yeah. human outfit. Let's say not his like
1: dark outfit. Yep. So he's he has less of uh, a unique changes to his appearance. Kind of has yeah. like uh you know the cream colored vest and the light yeah. shirt khakis. is put a big he just put a big uh, brand emblazon on the back for some
2: reason. I'm sorry. What now? A big emblazon of some uh, some random fashion. Oh, brand, I guess on the back. Okay,
0: that'll work. Um. Yeah. So. Riku is worried that he can't find Sora, and then he just sort of and he remembers the aftermath of the fight with his Ursula. I have in my notes that Riku is more on top of things than Sora.
1: Sora just kind of trusts that everything will turn out OK if he good boys through everything. Well, Riku actually worries about Sora.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
2: Uh, yeah, Riku, now that he's over a lot of his issues, very much is in the
1: I need to keep this poor sweet boy alive. <laughs> So Riku figures that Traverse Town must be one of the sleeping worlds because at least one of our characters is not stuck in Dreamland.
0: Because Riku (laughs) is actually aware of what's going on, he's like, oh, right, this is the test.
2: I'm pretty sure Sora was sleeping with his eyes open while Yonso was talking.
0: Yeah, maybe he had one of those weird little face masks that look like your eyes are open.
2: (laughs) Goofy poked him a couple times and just gave up. Gorsh. (laughs) Gorsh <laughs> Sora, you should be listening. This is going to be important. I cannot do as good as others.
1: Go for it, Matt. Gorsh Sora, you should have been listening. This might be important. <laughs> as I said, he is so much better at that. Yes. <laughs> so one more minute. Ice cream beats for some reason I'm thinking about. <laughs> Memories are leaking. Oh, no. After Riku thinks a little bit, a silver-haired kid shows up and uh, talks to Riku.
2: Can I just say, compared to NAKU's
1: oversized
2: shirt, shorts, giant pair of headphones, this kid in his button down white shirt and
0: and black slacks just looks so preppy in comparison. If you play The World Ends With You, this is Joshua. If you've not played The World Ends With You, you should play The World Ends With You to learn why Joshua matters. (laughs) Another sidebar, the etymology of Joshua is the same as Jesus. It's worth pointing out.
1: I mean, yeah, the original the the original Aramaic name of Jesus is most likely Yeshua,
0: which is just Joshua, which is just just a version of Joshua. Yes. Well, Joshua is the Greekified version of the name as our call. Right. Or
1: something like that.
0: Something like that.
2: Uh, i said, if I were if I really want to know, I'd ask my brother. He did a lot more Bible study in college. He remembers more than I do.
0: Yep. Joshua explains that those two copies of the world that they're in and that the world has been split in two. This is actually kind of a weird reference to, to The World Ends With You as well, as I recall, because uh, in The World Ends With You, the partners sort of like have to fight monsters in a slightly different version of reality at the same time.
1: It's weird. Yeah, and they don't directly interact, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, in battle, they don't directly interact. Outside of battle, they do directly interact. And
2: that's why you have to have a partner for some reason.
0: Yes. Uh, you In The World Ends With You, you have to fight the noise on on two different planes. It's weird. But here... It's just that there's two copies of the world. And the world's been split in two. And Joshua does not know why. Yeah. It's like, look, I just go explain this stuff. Hey, can you do me a favor? Rico. No.
2: <laughs> Rico I just love, in this tone, he literally says, no, I don't trust you, fucker. It's just so funny in this Kingdom Hearts tone. They have to say that and not be being evil, just being cynical. Is this yeah. a sign of character growth? <laughs> well,
0: no, it's a sign of character difference. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's worth pointing out, Joshua kind of brings up the core narrative theme of The World Ends With You, that there isn't a single world that people live in, which, like, it comes down to other people have their own minds and ideals, and a big part of the story of The World Ends With You is characters figuring that out. It's a very good story for a teenage melodrama.
2: It's, it's like just Joshua just keeps going on. It's like, you know I, just know, I just deploy simple
1: logic. It makes me smarter than most of you guys. Yep. Yeah. The source not in this world, I bet he's in the other. And then Joshua... Joshua finally says the magic word, which is Sora,
0: which gets Riku to help him. Yep. He says Joshua wants us to find rhyme and maybe finding rhyme will help us find Sora. I have in my notes, if you're starting to think Joshua is a bit sus, you're not wrong. <laughs> I just with my complete lack of knowledge, I found him kind of amusingly above
2: everything. It's like this kid clearly knows what's is going on, but he just doesn't seem to give a shit.
0: You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not the one at risk. Nope. So Riku makes it to District 2, and he asks why Dream Eaters aren't attacking him. Joshua explains that they won't go after you unless you're a dreamer, which Joshua finds weird because he has plenty of dreams. If you're not yet on board with Joshua being sus, this should do the trick. But it doesn't really matter
1: in this game. He just kind of is, so I don't worry about it too much. This is true. Riku tells Joshua that every human being is a dreamer, which I don't know. I I, kind of
0: like that line. Then a loud kid in a skull hat shows up to try and take down Joshua. After Riku makes a bat. Yep. After Riku makes a bat. Which I swear looks like the
2: legendary from Pokemon Moon a little bit.
0: <laughs> uh, I, know, I don't know why they don't even look that much alike, but I get stuck thinking about it. The bat is called a Komori bat because Komori means bat in Japanese. This is the level that we're working on here, people. Yep. So we got bat bat and we also had uh cat cat Echo, cat, cat. And amazingly, we don't
1: have moon moon. <laughs> That would oh, have gosh. been a good name for a wolf one, but <laughs> damn it, <no>. Moon Moon. <laughs> he did the thing. Any, anyway, a loud kid in a skull hat shows up to try taking it down. Joshua.
0: Joshua calls the guy Beat, and he says that he's been tricked by a cloak guy because Beat is not very bright.
2: As I am, Joshua's literally saying like, "How many times do we have to go over this?" Yeah. <laughs> and Beat's I- like, "Your inverse psychiatry ain't gonna work." Like, oh wow,
0: Beat is dumb. That is the that is his core defining characteristic is that he is. he He's a himbo. He has one brain cell. Unfortunately, it's mostly most of the time being held on to by rhyme. <laughs>
2: she just has to hang on to a form where he
0: would have, uh, I don't know, dropped
1: it. He exactly. Is Rhymes, personal himbo. That's 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 what. Oh, my.
0: Oh, dear. That's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> Considering spoiler alert, they are siblings. Oh, psh. yes.
2: Oh Matt, 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 Matt. Don't Star
1: Wars this shit. <laughs> well it doesn't necessarily have to be a sex thing besides they're okay they're but I just that. I feel
2: like sibling of sibling referring to other sibling as that is still kind of uh, okay
0: as a panda dream eater and we get a tutorial on the link mechanic. yes panda let's all talk about the panda yes <laughs> it is huge yeah so Sora and Riku have two different uh, link mechanics Sora links with dream eaters like doing a dealing finisher or a limit break type move They run around together. He rides around the dinosaur favorite. All three of them stand on the asteroid to wait to die, crashing into the earth. Riku instead eats Dream Eaters to get command styles, which are different iterations on My Friends or My Power, I guess. Well, I know Sora already worked that one out in two, remember? Sidebar for Sora, for the most part, the uh, linking with a single uh, Dream Eater is better than linking with double. Whereas with Riku, it kind of doesn't matter because they're both about equally powerful. And with
2: some of Sora, the, I feel like the mechanics don't work right. Because suddenly it'll just like, it'll do one hit and then stop because I didn't do something right. At least Riku's are pretty much guaranteed the last the whole time frame. I just think his are generally better.
0: Yeah. With Sora, the single <clears> ones, I ended up like figuring out ways to abuse them because critical mode is ass in this game and I had to find any kind of way to win I could. I believe
2: this. They also push us on how you can use flow motion to crash your large enemy and then just fling them. Yep. Flow
1: well, motion moves tend to give you a large amount of uh, Iframes too, which is oh, yeah. one of the reasons you use them a lot. Oh
2: yeah, you jump in the air, crash down, do a big crater hit. You fling an enemy into other enemies. Uh, you buzz saw your way around the pole. They're all fun when you can do them. And yeah. it, when I remember to do them, I tend to use them, the cheese fights hard. Oh, that's the way you use it. It's the best
0: mechanic. <laughs> so after the after so the we I, kick beat's ass. Yep, we kick beat's ass. Beat mopes about not being able to protect rhyme. Riku gets the feeling of not being able to protect rhyme. He goes. He makes like the skeleton and the lost skeleton of cadaver and also goes. I sleep now.
2: Be funny if he be funny. What I discovered is like, like that's because you are stupid. He went to beats. That would be great. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Riku's so, blunt enough to do that if you annoy him. We get another flashback for the Keyblade War, in which Yen explains the ancient Keyblade War in the Age of Fairy Tales, and this is where it's kind of like okay, so we need to expand the myth a little bit now that we've like talked about the Keyblade War in another game. It had
2: apparently three mutually unworkable villain plots trying to do the same thing, but not possibly mixed together.
0: Yeah. So he explains that Kingdom Hearts is protected by its counterpart, the Keyblade. That's
2: Keyblade. You have to say it with emphasis for the letter.
0: Yep. He explains the Keyblades were made in the image of the Keyblade and were designed to fight (laughs) over the light, which brings darkness into the world. So I made this version of the Keyblade. What are you going to call it? Keyblade. Fuck you, Steve. You are so unoriginal. So and then he also explains how the light and children's hearts remade the world, which is the source for that children's tale that Kyrie remembers.
1: Yep. So they're they're kind of fusing those two elements in a way that hadn't been fused before.
0: It's more that they are.
1: We're doing a unified theory elements are starting now. Yeah,
0: Yeah, they're doing a unified theory now to sort of like bring all the elements of the story together. And then they introduce this new element to us, telling us that the keyblade was destroyed and scattered into 20 pieces, seven light, 13 dark. This will be on the test. So I hope you're paying attention.
2: Sorrows fails to written every time. So this one's going to go bad. He'd probably just sleep through it anyway. Well, yep. Goofy gave up and went off to get lunch with Donald. So,
0: yep. <laughs> the source of light, kingdom hearts, gets swallowed by the darkness never to be seen again. Light begets darkness and darkness is drawn into light.
2: Yay, myth. Yeah. And he makes a point of talking about the true kingdom hearts here, which I think is kind of pushing more that can cage one and two near them were the true one.
0: Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the only true Kingdom Hearts we've seen is the one that Xehanort briefly summoned at the end of Birth by Sleep. How did he do that without the Keyblade? He had the Keyblade, remember?
2: No, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. It was still being made. He literally just called it there and then a few minutes later said, ah, the Keyblade is forged. It literally happens out of order. The The Keyblade is exists enough for him to do it,
1: I think. Yeah, basically. It's, oh
2: no, it reverberates backward and forward in time. Oh no. Pretty much, honestly. What is that a reference to, Jared? I forget. A lot of things. Yeah, true. Okay. I'm not even trying to be sarcastic. Even that specific phrasing, I'm not sure I have a specific one. Mm -hmm. It's just so common. Like, I find myself thinking of Discworld where it says, like, some things are so severe, the effects can precede the, the, the cause. And that's why, like, at least one book, Hogfather, has things happening apparently out of order because the events are catching up.
1: Got it. So we got a sidebar about the first heroes of the Keyblade who were the ones who decided to use
0: Keyblades to defend the light instead of fight over it. That's why we got Keyblades of Light and Dark. Like that also gives us an important glossary entry about Kingdom Hearts that confirms that the Kingdom Hearts made by Ansem Seeker of Darkness was also artificial. He just kind of squished worlds together so we made something that looked like a Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So it's pretty much worth noting that like Kingdom Hearts continues to sort of like retcon away what the villain's goal was last time. To, because now we're doing the new thing.
1: Well, honestly, I kind of feel like you you can probably explain it in the fact that, okay, uh, Xehanort tried to get his hands on Kingdom Hearts once, right? Uh, yeah. On the true Kingdom Hearts. So now we have, uh, you know, he always has like about 20 different irons in the fire going at once. Yeah. So after he became Ansem and Zemnis, he was like, okay, well, what's the origin of the true Kingdom Hearts? Can we... Can we Let's, do something to make our own? Yep. And if we can, then cool. We have our Kingdom Hearts another way without having to wait to get the Keyblade. Yep. But if not,
0: hey, we have something powerful and I guess that's cool. It works. Sure. Sora wakes up in Traverse Town thus our format is established. We will finish Sora's side and then go to Riku's real quick. So when Sora wakes up, everyone's ditched him. Yeah, no one is around. We Like, it's not even clear what happened. It's kind of like in a dream how sometimes an event will happen and just sort of like stop happening when you come back to it. It kind of seems almost like
1: like when that happens to Sora or Riku, they they essentially stop existing mm. and then kind of pop back in when it's their turn again.
0: That might be true. And when it doesn't
2: happen, story mandate, it's almost like time stops, too, because everything else just stays where it was.
0: In any case, Sora is a good boy who doesn't question things. So let's get back to exploring. And the game takes the opportunity to introduce the drop mechanic.
2: Underneath the health bar, now there's this. There's this like uh, ticking down bar at all times. It goes through several colors, and it has a rate percentage next to, it, like rate, t- like uh, multiplying factor next to it, which is how fast you're going through the drop. Once you hit the bottom, you hit a brief bonus time where you get extra points, and then you're forced into the next drop.
0: The drop rate can be affected by buffs you buy and debuffs enemies inflict on you. Mostly frogs.
2: Fuck the frogs. <laughs> yeah, fuck the frogs. I didn't get for next is forecast, which I never understood.
0: Uh, literally, you just can look ahead to see what the effect is going to be based on the forecast. Occasionally, there will be one that will impact drop rate, and it, those can go up to three times more than usual.
2: And something about random creatures.
0: Uh, so what forecast will do, I'll be able to talk about a bit more in the completion episode, which is where it actually matters. All right.
2: It's just it, it seems like you already put this unusual split split story mechanic, but now you're putting these time limits on it. and I don't see the point of them. I kind of do. Why does the story bounce you around forcibly rather than at your choice or at predetermined points?
0: It's dream logic. I actually kind of like it, uh, especially because they do give you ways to reset the timer with uh, drop me knots, which I highly recommend buying.
2: But, But to continue on and then go from the then we go from the story end is this really wants to make this this interwoven tale where the stories are dropping in and out of each other. But then in almost every world, it does the old Kingdom Hearts trick of having nothing actually matter. So the stories don't connect. In fact, they seem explicitly disconnected. So everyone, like each time story and Rico to the world, they meet the same characters just with slightly altered dialogue. And it's not even like, like already with the world and with UCAS and Traverse Town, we have the separation. Different characters, different places, and the events do influence each other. But most of the worlds can't be bothered to do that. And it just seems like a waste.
0: The last thing is that when you kill enemies, you get droplets, which allow you to purchase buffs for your next drop. You get a lot more droplets during bonus time, which is the 30 seconds before a drop occurs.
1: Okay, that's enough about dropping. So we end up going back to District 1, where the mailbox slide back and the pipe and a pipe appears, which should produce a Mario sound effect, but it does not.
2: Why does it produce a
0: Zelda sound effect for the secret tunnel? Secret tunnel. That's something else entirely. That's something else entirely. Uh, the pipe takes us to the post office sorting area, which is the first flow motion playground of the game. I love flow motion playgrounds.
2: This place would suck to work at. Everything's fifty feet tall and connected by by spindly rails that just fly all over the place.
0: <laughs> so, what I call a flow motion playground is a large area with a lot of walls and rails to grind on that make full use of all the flow motion tricks available to you. And this one is very much about those grinding paths. There's a lot of secrets
1: and stuff to fight. In my opinion, Motion is really where they take the promise of what they wanted to do with platforming in Kingdom Hearts 1 and actually do it justice. It was just oh, yeah. jank in Kingdom Hearts 1.
0: Yeah, as I said before, it's a huge step in level design over the last few games. There's a few problems, though, specifically in checkpointing um, because of how large the areas are. If you die in the middle of it, it will checkpoint you to when you enter the room and then you lose a lot of uh, progress.
2: The zones, while they were big and kind of fun to explore, they're kind of aimless. I got the impression if I'm not doing a treasure, like not trying to get all the treasure chests, I could skip like 80 percent of each area by literally by surface area there. So I'm really hoping that this is kind of just like a first test out and they can manage to continue to improve on this because it is enjoyable. It just kind of feels like it's enjoyable only if you force yourself to. You can just skip if you want to.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. After the post office, we come out into the Fountain Plaza and it starts to dawn on us just how much bigger this Traverse Town is the one over Kingdom Hearts 1. We got this giant ornate fountain that
2: no one ever seemed to want to mention the story. That's something cool he could go look at. He had to go mess around with the uh, with the uh, tool shop or wherever that was.
0: Oh, yeah. Like I love Dream Dark Distance to Traverse Town. It's one of my favorite worlds in all of Kingdom Hearts. It actually feels more like a, a full city now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It feels more like a space.
1: There's more things here and it feels like it's a full on town. Yeah, and we like, go right
2: from, from the from the great big fountain plaza. We go to the fourth district, and now we're in like a shopping and dining area. That's like a little maze of of, of yeah, Black streets.
0: Like, and it looks so much more like a real city rather than just the Final Fantasy city through the Disney filter that we had with the original Traverse Town.
1: You know, just from the very start, this game's world are much larger than any other previous KH games. So it this is in fact a pattern that sticks around for Kingdom Hearts three, which is great. Not really the most techie guy, but I feel like they managed to get a lot of world
2: into a 3DS cartridge. on this.
0: Oh, yeah, they did. Like the 3DS was probably about the same power level as a PS2. And the fact that they're able to get levels this big out of it on hardware that's roughly comparable to that is pretty impressive to me.
2: now, because this town is everything, now Sora finds the Coliseum. And for some reason, this makes him realize he just hasn't been thinking for the last 20 minutes.
0: Wow, never been this way before. Ooh, what's that? (laughs) Sora...
2: Sora is me in my worst ADHD moments here because <laughs> he has been wandering through three different expansive maps. There have been four. And this new building is the first time it ever seems strange to him or, or unusual. Yeah. Sora
1: definitely has, ooh, squirrel syndrome.
2: Oh, yeah. Going on. Uh, my fa- This things of my favorite T-shirt I got when I was young. Like, I think my mom hits
0: me. They say I have ADD, but I just don't under. Ooh, a chicken. Oh, no. <laughs> I just I just love that shirt. I loved it. Outside of the Coliseum, Sora meets a young girl in a Moogle. Uh, the girl is Rhyme, and she has apparently lost her memory. The Moogle is a is this an NPC shopkeeper? Yep, I have it in my notes. Rhyme says sometimes memories just need a little help getting out. To which I said respond, "Yeah, thanks, Nominee."
2: <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, thank you." I keep waiting for
0: someone to say, it. like, "No, not like that." I feel like we keep making that joke now. People have thanked Nominee by this point. It's okay. We don't need to make that joke anymore. It's never the right people in the right context.
2: Correct. <laughs> They said, we didn't really do Coded. Like, we didn't do Coded. So, I can't remember if anyone said it there.
1: <laughs> so, Sora decides this is enough information to go off of and decides to take Rhyme to meet up with Neku because obviously, uh, you know, she's a player, he's a player. Obviously, they need to play together. So kind of exists in the
2: world of RPG quests. He's, he kind of knows I should I should go to the point of interest with the person of interest and see what happens next. He kind of makes yep. half his decisions based on. So that. so are
1: you saying Sora works on adventure point and click adventure game logic? Maybe I was actually saying RPG
0: side quest, but. So the Moogle doesn't have a shop. The Moogle has a mini game. I argue that's still a shopkeeper, just a different type of mini game uh, shopkeeper. Anyway, the mini game is Flick Rush. And I have in my notes, oh no, do I have to play Flickrush for completion? I don't even remember Flickrush. Okay, let's try it out. Oh no, it's Chain of Memories meets Pokemon. Technically, it doesn't seem like it's important for completion, but mm, those are some good rewards. I will come back to this later when I have a better team for it. <laughs> Sorry, bad news, Past John. It's important for completion. Good news, it's actually super easy and fun with the right team. I will talk about it in the completion episode.
2: I never quite write my notes in a way that seems like I'm having an argument with myself. You can't you fascinate me at times.
0: Oh, buddy. I mean, this is what happens when I have a word document and I've given myself bullets and I make very powerful indentations. Basically, our notes for our episodes look a lot like my notes for when I'm writing stuff out, because that is how I take notes on things.
2: <laughs> I just t- I just tend to write things in a sarcastic manner. It just help- making jokes helps me remember what I was thinking. You should try with bullet points. It makes things easier to organize. Oh, we could try it with truth bullets. That makes it something else entirely.
1: So Sora and Rhyme head to the fifth district, where Neku is standing on top of a flower shop, which kind of has a big glass greenhouse. Which honestly, it, the first time I saw it, is like we're going to fall through that big glass ceiling at some point, aren't we?
0: Oh yeah,
2: yes. Break the glass ceiling. Support Rhyme as
0: main character. Hey, I dig it. Oh, no, I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, hey, why not? I have in my notes, we fucking teleport to Neku to say hi, and Neku can't believe this shit. <laughs> it's like, y- you can't be serious, kid. Yeah, <laughs> like Neku like is like, buddy, I portrayed you, but Sora's just like, nah. Friendship speech. Yep, I'm a friend. Neku feels some guilt about it, and he's like, how can you trust me
1: after I sold you out right in front of you? <laughs> Sora goes, whatever. Wait,
2: so Sora, the anti-squall? Well, I mean, that means I guess if he if he impacted with a uh, with another squall, a normal squall, it could be an explosion. That's why they never touch in Kingdom Hearts One or Two. No, does. he picks him up, he picks him up and drags him off, and he beats the shit out of him.
0: Close, not actual uh, contact of the body. Well, no, actually, I think a better idea because that's not Squall, that's Leon. You're right. <laughs> that's why he can't be Squall. Yep, that's why he can't be Squall. If he if he goes by Squall. The two will cancel about I sense a force too positive for
2: me. I must reinvent myself to to find a path away.
0: <laughs> New head cannon. Then Sora asked about rhyme and rhyme kind of just teleports away because of that was,
2: that, that. was no rhyme or reason about anything here.
0: Damn it. Now I'm just thinking about the Phantom Tollbooth and wouldn't that be great if that was a world here? <laughs> then a black cloak shows up and shows off his shitty ape NFTs. It's Hako Monkey, our first boss fight. Oof, so we're really going to we're really going to go with that type of reference, then, aren't we? Oh yes, buddy. Okay, so let me be clear. I started making NFT jokes just out of a whim, but then I realized as I was playing Dream Drop Distance. Oh wait, Eaters are NFTs, aren't they? Well, they appear to be some sort of copies of it. You can make it, but do you really you don't really own the original. Nope.
2: Ooh, this is tortured. <laughs>
0: And there's lots of different variations of them that have different effects for some reason. And they and you just changed your color to make them look different.
1: Uh, does that mean that the spirits are NFTs that we right clicked and so they're good now? Uh, well, we'll talk about that in a bit.
2: where didn't make them, he just copied them. Well. <laughs> no one told him he couldn't own them.
0: So anyway, this is Hawk and Monkey, our first boss fight. It's a giant monkey in a box. And it hits like a truck on critical mode. And it's fast. Well, well, why is it in a hex then? What?
2: It's a, it's a, it should be in a hex. Oh, jeez! God damn <laughs> it! <laughs> Hexagon. Hex, Hexo monkey. Oh no! It's basically <laughs>
1: designed like a giant Jack in the Box, right?
2: And by the way, we are happy to say we will fight any crypto person who gets pissed off at us about this. Bring it on! <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I don't are scams. What fuck you!
0: you. I, I don't give a crap what you think, and I, you just can't make me care. <laughs> so, I have in my notes. When the F did this become Elden Ring? This fight is made unnecessarily hard by taking place in a flow motion playground. The boss also changes his behavior based on where in the flow motion playground you go to fight him. Phew, that was rough.
1: It, it kind of isn't a two floor yeah. thing with. Yeah, he knocks you down on each
2: floor. and He'll knock you down if you give him the chance. Like he'll, he'll smash you through the ceiling and he's like, he'll jump
0: off the <laughs> geometry. I eventually won by not allowing myself to be on the roof to avoid being pl- pulled into the flower shop, keeping my distance unless balloon was ready. By the way, balloon is an extremely good spell and you should always yeah. have it on your cast bar.
2: It's a new spell here. It literally makes a giant what looks to me like a giant like a super ball with all the swirly colors and it just pops in their face.
0: It's way more powerful than any other spell. And it's just really good. Use balloon. Yeah. It's the best. And, and then, then
2: it, because of the standard FF, uh, spell naming convention, it gets some really funny up, uh, later names like Balloon Ra. Balloon
0: Ra and Balloon Ga. Amazing spell. Balloon Ga
2: sounds like it's a new Goomba uh, a variant, just so you know, from Mario. <laughs> it's a galoomba. It's a it's a it's a flying galoomba. There we go. It was at this point in my playthrough that I found myself thinking, hmm, maybe critical mode was a mistake. And at this one I playthrough, through. I found myself thinking, John, will never convince you to do critical mode
1: again. And I'm happy for that.
0: <laughs> it's good.
1: <laughs> Winning gets our gets us our first deck size increase. Yep. But uh, I'm not really getting enough abilities that I'm feeling
2: crunch in deck size, so I don't even notice it this time around.
0: Hmm. So after the fight, a bunch of polygons fly into the sky and Sora sees a shade of Riku with a girl running by. Neither of them acknowledge him. Sora's used to people not acknowledging. him. No, I'm not going to make that joke. He's too nice to,
2: to make the loser joke. But anyways, uh, it actually makes him, it actually kind of makes
0: Sora frustrated that he can't seem to reach his friend. And yeah. then Joshua shows up. Yep. Jo- Neku claims that Joshua is his friend, but he doesn't sound too happy about it. it sounds like,
2: uh, I kind of hear it's like, he's a uh, friend. It's just the tone.
0: I think it's even how he says it. Mm. I have in my notes that Joshua starts explaining how he's hanging on to Rhyme's dreams to be his portal, because that's not a shady thing to do. I mean, I don't even understand what he's doing. So, well, Rhyme's dreams are a gateway between worlds. Sora is just like, hmm, I see. I understand completely. Doesn't get it at all.
2: Oh, no, he's actually fall. He's actually fallen into pop team epic then.
0: yes. So yeah, Sora's just, he's
2: long ago accepted. If I say I see, I'll probably just be okay anyways, and it doesn't matter.
1: Joshua kind of explains that Traverse Town is made from his dreams, which is how he knows Sora's name, because he dreamed him up. Wait, what? Joshua's kind of God, so of course. But, you know, Dream Drop Distance, I kind of see as a journey through other beings' dreams. So Joshua is just one of the dreamers.
0: But seriously, though, Joshua just implied that Sora is the same kind of existence as Titus in Final Fantasy X, and <laughs> that he is the same kind of existence as Muhammad in Final Fantasy X. Spoilers for Final Fantasy X, because Titus is Muhammad's dream.
2: Oh no, Sora was was created by fundamentalism. What? Everything at X is caused by the Church being a fundamentalist nightmare. Remember,
0: except for the fact that Bahamut is a. Summoning that uh, I'm uh, well, I'm not going to get into this. This is silly.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's just go play. We'll just go play One Piece Odyssey, because apparently that's very Final Fantasy time. Like, and that's going to be fun.
0: Yes. One Piece Odyssey looks great. It'll be out soon from the time of recording. Uh, January 23rd.
2: Soon enough. This um, episode, I think we'll probably not air till past that, to be honest.
0: Oh, yeah. Joshua explains that Riku is in another Traverse Town parallel to this one that Sora can't get to. And shows the cloak guy to explain how the world got this way.
2: It basically just creates an image of him because he's confronting Riku. It's kind of like he's getting to watch all the uh, all the character assets
0: without any of the backgrounds or anything. Yep. The cloak guy pulls down his hood to reveal a tan kid with silver hair and yellow eyes. Who's that? And why does he want to get me in on his latest NFT project?
2: Well, NFT stand for the same thing here. Hmm,
1: that's important to check. So we got the skull noise keyblade there hmm. Yep. And that we can. Why, drop over to Riku's why story. skull
0: noise, by the way. Skulls are a prominent feature in The World Ends With You. Uh-huh. And noise are the monsters that you fight in The World Ends With You. Ergo, skull noise and, and skull noises. I sleep now. <laughs> and with that,
2: we drop yeah. Riku story. That was so stupid. I'm happy I did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Riku wakes up in the second district and Joshua and Beat are nowhere to be
0: found. Everyone keeps ditching our guys. Well, again, as we have established, they just sort of vanish out of existence and then they pop back in when they're ready to wake up.
2: I feel like Joshua could choose to be where they pop out because
0: he definitely knows what's going on. But oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. A girl is being harassed by some dream eaters, so let's save her. But first, I dicked around in District 2 because this is Dream Drop Distance. Riku's like, whatever, I'm sure she's fine. We catch up to the girl in District 1 where after a dream eater fight, we're introduced to her. She's Shiki, the best girl of World Ends With You. She is Neku's partner in that game. First partner. yes. Again, I don't know nearly enough. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Neku has three game partners in the world ends with you based on the three acts of the story.
2: She kind of is trying to mess with Riku, like not quite flirting with him, but seeing if she can throw him off. And he's just not responding. Yep. Yeah. uh, You should have a girl just say sure and walk off.
0: Yeah. Riku claims he's bad at talking to girls and I have in my notes without a ounce of self-awareness. (laughs) ha. Fucking nerd.
2: I just imagine Riku said, "Don't mention how she smells. Don't mention how she smells. For the love of God, don't mention how she smells." <laughs> he, he, it's you know, it's a process. Every every day, a new
1: step, in not sniffing people. Yep. So Riku tries to get Shiki to go home, but that just annoys her. So
0: she says, "If it's dangerous, how could you leave me alone?" Yeah, she teases him about his nightlike behaviors, and Riku gets even more flustered. But like, it's. It's funny how easy it is to push Riku's buttons, you know? It's a, they don't really have a relationship that needs to develop anyway, but it reminds
2: me of how Air of Messes with with Cloud, especially when Remake's better translation of it. Oh yeah, very much so. She I think Shiki smells uh, edge edgy boy who needs to be poked and she just she's at least trying.
0: But not literally smells, that's only Riku's thing.
2: <laughs> it's like hmm, I definitely sense something about smelling. That worries me too. She thinks <laughs>
0: Basically, the whole scheme is Riku being te- being teased by a cameo character. Yeah, yep. he's like knights. I'm not a knight. You got the wrong idea here, lady. Yep. She even comments that Riku reminds her of a guy she knows, and Riku's just like, uh. In what way? I mean, let's be clear. Neku and Riku are kind of the same character, though Neku is a protagonist and Riku's a deuter antagonist.
2: And sometimes Riku's a no
0: How the hell did he get lucky seven anyway? I still need to know this. I need to finish Xenoblade <laughs> Three. Sorry for the tangent.
2: I would have I catch up with you at this rate. I see the be at a faster pace.
0: Well, that's because I'm not
2: s- in Final Fantasy 14. And I'm not skipping shit either. So because yep. this is actually what it's actually a type of game where I'm, I'm happy to be really pushing the stuff. I need to find a guide for making gems. I feel like I'm really underpowered
0: there. Um, you just got to farm materials. Yeah, I know. But most of them are between two and four right now. That seems really weak for where I'm at. Let's get back to uh, Kingdom Hearts Stream Drive Distance. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, so Riku just, he just kind of, yeah, he just sighs and goes along, which I swear is still like one third of his interactions with Sora these days.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. Riku t- takes the route through the Traverse Town back streets to get to the Fountain Plaza, which is another flow motion playground with
0: water streams all over. Yep. Uh, the water streams act as rail grinds. There's not much else to it. Uh, it's, just like a cool, a, huge fountain for a
2: place to have. Even Radiant <laughs> Gardens in uh, Birth by Sleep wasn't cool. That was, that was just a bunch of ponds.
0: Yep. At the Fifth District, uh, like there's not much more to get there. Uh, Riku and Shiki get to the Fourth and Fifth Districts without much story happening. At the Fifth District, Shiki runs ahead, only to get turned into a plushie by the cloak guy. Okay, the plushie is actually her, but that's the way the camera makes it feel.
2: Well, basically, like suddenly she, you hear her make a sound and the camera cuts is just the plushie there. Like it's what it's what she turned into or something. I'm pretty sure she just the idea is she dropped it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or, yeah.
0: or got yeah, the plushie from it. Sorry, the plushie is actually hers. Not the plushie is her. <laughs> yes. It's that little cat. It's a little dark cat plushie. She always carries.
1: She's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The cool guy steps on the plushie and kicks it at Riku because he's a dick. And then he starts pushing just, darkness yeah. NFTs at Riku, trying to convince <laughs> By him. By the way. I want to comment the camera makes this a little hysterical to me because
2: he kind of steps on the plushie. He kicks it. He starts talking. He has time to get like two or three lines off and then the plushie hits Riku in the chest. So he somehow wafted it or they're 500
0: feet apart and they're just talking at small tone hearing each other. The cloak guy tries pushing his darkness NFTs on Riku by trying to convince him that he'll never wake up. But then Beat shows up to snap Riku to his senses.
1: And Riku's
2: like, oh no, uh, another knucklehead.
1: Yeah. Beat has saved Shiki off screen and comments. Seems hoodie here set this whole thing up, yo. I like calling him
0: hoodie. <laughs> calling him hoodie is funny. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Crypto hoodie. Crypto hoodie. Crypto hoodie. I Let's stop calling him cloak guy. Let's
2: let's call him crypto hoodie for this. He takes his cloak down, but we don't have to get a name for him for a long time, though. It's not hard to guess. I'll just say so. But yeah, he's crypto hoodie.
0: Yeah, we're going to call him crypto hoodie from now on. In fact, I'm going <laughs> to. We'll have to change that in our notes, but uh, yeah, yeah just go him. forward with it. Yeah. Yep. So
2: and ben, it's like he just he's immediately annoyed with beats. Yep. And so when he takes it off. Like I said he he's 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 got we've seen him before. He's he's a lot younger looking, like maybe like maybe no older than Tara at most. But he's yeah. got he's got this kind of dusky skin. He's got silver hair, gold eyes. And Rico's like, I
0: have I have like, no I idea who this is. is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shut, up. Shut up. Luther.
0: Yep. Jack. Yeah. And so uh, Crypto Hoodie summons a slightly different shitty ape NFT and Pooh guest portals away. It's another hot monkey. See, no, see, this one, we use
2: a different hex color. So it's a it's a completely different asset.
0: Well, I mean, it's a, so when you're making an NFT project, you usually just have a random number generator that will generate different uh, aspects based on uh, one of the digits that you use. So this is why does so many them make ugly clothes? Why was that what they chose? Because most tech pros have no artistic sense. <laughs> anyway, it's more hexo monkey. Yep, it's another Haka monkey I have in my notes. Let's see if I can right-click copy the strategy I had for fighting the first ape NFT. And this board ape actually fights differently than the first. It's a caster that keeps his distance rather than a brute that get, gets close. And the fight is stuck in the greenhouse rather than outside. It's more fun, as it turns out. You do have to chase it down
1: sometimes, though, which is yeah. A pretty, but overall, it's more fun. He kind of goes through phases. Like he climbs, the,
2: he climbs the scenery. He summons a whole bunch of his hands that just flow and start ripping and just start ripping up the environment, throwing it around. I actually got caught in those environment rips and that she lost my first attempt here.
0: It's yeah, like I had a lot more fun with this one because it's a crowd control brawl rather than just like a fucking Elden Ring boss that just like if you fuck up once, you're dead.
2: <laughs> I had not go back to Elden Ring after my first play session because I don't know about you guys. I just could not I couldn't get anything done there and it frustrated me.
0: No worries. Yeah, after the fight, the NFT collapses in value and shatters and we get to see the other side of what we saw at the end of Sora's time in Traverse Town.
2: Which basically means that we see the scene that Sora saw and Riku also sees Sora talking
0: to Joshua. Beat laments, being unable to reach rhyme. She's right there, yo. I believe that's how he puts it. Yeah, Riku decides to show some growth by saying if their hearts are connected, their words will reach. And Riku also gets a skull noise keyblade. Whenever we complete a world for both Sora and Riku, we get a scene that caps that world off. And then an extra scene. But anyways, this one. Yep. Beat and Rhyme spin in a sea of light, as do Neku and Shiki.
2: Kind of like how we ever we see characters being sort of uh, being recapped, like when like when they say when Aqua of everyone has she was in the dark world, it was kind of has a yeah, yeah. feel to it. Yeah, it does. Or or when Data Sora met all the missing characters, in the memory. It, it's very much that sort of like uh, this is slightly symbolic and overviewing the people we've
0: seen. Yep. Uh, Sora and Riku hear Joshua's explanation of why he dreamt this world to help give the forward. Tw- in this scene, we keep seeing Sora and Riku. I can't remember; if it keeps switching. But at any
1: point, one of them is
2: translucent, like they're just yes. sort of half there.
1: The idea is more or less the yeah. The idea is more or less that Joshua is explaining it to both of them at the same time in the respective planes, yeah. and it's unclear if they see each other this time because it, no, I don't they think don't.
2: they actually directly interact. They don't.
0: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Sora and Riku hear Joshua's explanation of why he dreamed up this world, which was to give the four The World Ends With You characters a chance to exist again, which to me reads as him trying to get a World Ends With You sequel launched, which also reminds me that I need to finish Neo The World Ends With You sometime.
2: (laughs) Uh, Literally in unison,
0: Sora and Riku ask Joshua who he is. Yep. And Joshua goes, let's say a friend. And then he sprouts wings. (laughs) That was a plot point. Yep, whenever I see this now,
1: uh, this sort of thing now, I uniformly think of Kikonia when they cry.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when that, wings the very out? the very end, I think, is what you're ta- thinking about, right? With, yes. Uh, where uh, Jaden just uh, shows up as a blue man and sprouts wings.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a mind thing of a whole bunch of different things because it's just like, I'm going to fly off now later, fuckers.
0: Joshua must go. His planet needs him. <laughs> Joshua died back on the way back to his home planet.
2: Hooray!
1: He's dead and we'll never see him again. So Sora and Riku
0: seal the keyhole for this world simultaneously. We get a flashback where Yen Sid explains what the deal actually is. So Sora and Riku are telling they have to go and free seven sleeping worlds from their wakelessness. And to do that, he's going to send them to Destiny Islands just before they are swallowed by darkness. I don't understand.
2: Here's where the plot I start to struggle with, like I will return you before they're swallowed by darkness. What's dreams take you? Like, Is it say he literally transported yeah. them back to sit there while the world blows up?
0: Yes, he sent them I back and do ta- that. Uh, time travel is explained later in this game.
2: Okay, but did it use the thing that happened with the, uh the cornerstone and Merlin? No, this is a different time travel mechanism. As want I ask now, does this somehow imply that time travel mechanism should not work later? And it's this, this story.
0: That time travel mechanism probably relied on the Keystone or Merlin, one of the two. This is a different kind or of Pete. Yep. Or Pete, or Pete or Pete's or Pete missing his riverboat. Something like that. This whole
1: thing, I guess, kind of confirms that if a if the a world gets consumed by darkness, it will go into a state of dreaming. Sounds about right. Again, not exactly,
2: because there's still the whole the worlds that returned. Because most destroyed worlds just ended up in the end of the world, if you recall.
1: Well, yes, but what I'm saying is that eventually most of them will wake up on their own, but some of them become sleepless worlds or, or sleeping worlds.
0: All that means is that right now we are on Sora and Riku's Excellent Adventure because we're going back in time.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, they have to let the, the dreams guide them is that unlocking these will both grant you new powers and free the worlds from their wakelessness.
0: Um, does it seem smart to do this? I don't know. It's if it gives you the powers that you need to be considered keyblade master, I guess it's OK. But mm. and and as there are seven pure lights, there are seven sleeping keyholes because seven is our good guy number, just like 13 is our bad guy number.
1: And if uh, both make it back, Yen Sid will name them true masters. And if they don't make it back, Yen Sid has an alibi.
0: Yeah, that was Oof, just, that one. was a big one. There was a lot to explain. Next week will be much faster. Hey, where are we going next week?
2: We're going to one of the most inexplicably tone mismatched adaptation of the Disney
0: Renaissance, the from Pocahontas. And yeah, it's one I love. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one. It's time for a new Disney World, and we haven't had one of those in quite a while. Yeah, I'm surprised
1: they did a new Disney World entirely new for a portable game. That that's kind of different. Well, I guess well, they did that with Lilo and Stitch.
2: Well, and, yeah. you know, and half the worlds in Birth by Sleep, not to be too
0: smart ass, but yeah. it does. It does feel a <laughs> well, little okay. bit strange at this moment. Well, After okay. coded, uh, the, All the worlds in Birth by Sleep still were um, referencing characters that we'd already met. This is the first time we've had a new character in a Kingdom Hearts game since two. Hmm.
1: Think anyway. about it, Larry. Anyway, until next time, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Jared. And remember... A good story is best enjoyed with friends.
0: Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Yen uh, explains that, we need to, that the goal of our journey is to unlock sleeping keyholes to save the peak... Yen explains that the goal of our mission here, the goal of our test, is to unlock sleeping keyholes to save the world... Unlock sleeping keyholes. I can't talk. More. Wow. It is good line.
2: And then Riku decides he wants to be fighting
0: dreamers. <laughs> no, we're not going to put in that song right now.
2: I asked you too. I just want to put that in your head.
0: Damn it. Get it out of my head. Stupid Naruto <laughs> right opening Right here.
2: Four. Right now.
0: No. Shut up. And then he also makes like the skeleton in the this the magic skeleton. Uh, I can't even talk right now. What is it again? The magic skeleton. Uh... Go for it, Jace. The lost please.
2: skeleton of Kadabra. Beat has shaved.
1: Or sorry, Beat has saved Shiki off screen.